2023 is here and we have got some wins finally no matter how ugly they are no matter how contentious they are they needed it to happen i'm adrian slade it's the adrian slade show the presidential motorcade was just passed through heavy crowds in downtown dallas destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives one story at a time it's the adrian slade show it is our first show back for 2023 welcome i'm adrian slade thanks for tuning in At the end of 2022, I kind of wanted to leave you with some renewed confidence. I wanted to leave you with evidence of transcendent truth. I wanted to go extra political. I wanted to go above the fray, outside of the political sphere, give believers confidence that is extra renewed because of the overwhelming truth within one of the greatest books ever sold, ever written, that everyone says, oh, you know, full of contradictions. No, it's not. It's all tied together. And all you have to do is find the ties. So we did that at the end of the year. Now, in true honesty, I've been kind of debating on how far I want to go with the podcast these days, just because I've been doing this coming up on the eighth year, you know, and a lot of things have been happening. A little bit of disillusion, a little bit of time away, which has been nice, refreshing, a little bit of time with my family. Um, and I'm not going to roll it up and close it up and, and pull the lights off, you know, and shut, shut everything down. But I did kind of want to look at it and say, I need to feel somewhat inspired, you know. And the fight for truth was something I was really looking at is going, are we ever going to defeat this? I mean, and that's why I felt, let's have some transcendent truth at the end of the year. That's my Christmas gift to you. So we have to look at truth being attacked all the time. We have to look at the fact that the FBI and the DOJ are federal, you know, our federal judiciary, our federal law enforcement branches rated a former president because of classified documents that may have something to do with nuclear weapons and Kim Jong-un from his home down in Florida. But yet we have a president in power that while he was vice president had classified documents related to Ukraine. Huh? Son of a bitch, (laughs) you know, the people that were investigating his son, the money laundering scheme and biolab haven, Ukraine. And this is the same think tank that is funded by China. Imagine that. I think Hunter Biden had some dealings in China, too, made a lot of money from them as well. You know, I have to look at the fact that that truth has been just shut down in your face, (laughs) right there in your face on Monday Night Football. Now, I don't know if it had anything to do with the jab or not, but we had a 24-year-old athlete for the Buffalo Bills, you know, Mr. Hamlin, number three, collapses on the field from what was supposedly a hit to the chest. I watched it many times. Did not look like a hit to the chest to me. Looked like a standard hit, what a lot of other people said was the case. But, you know, we're not supposed to look at the fact that These vaccinations have been proven through German studies, through Swedish studies, through Israeli studies, and through a Florida study that myocarditis, heart, cardiac issues have increased because of these things. You know, we sat there and watched the entire soccer season where big name soccer players were benched because of cardiac events. And then the commentators that were talking about it also had cardiac issues and Bell's palsy and all these other issues that were all side effects from the vaccine. 
But you were supposed to see what you saw on Monday Night Football with a gentleman standing up after a, a routine tackle and falling down and being revived on the field after nine minutes of, of CPR and then coding out again at the hospital, being revived again, and then staying in hospital for a week from what is called commotio cordis, right? Which is something young kids get when they play baseball and they get beamed in the chest because their chest isn't completely formed, you know? I mean, it's, they're still growing, and uh, you can hit the heart in such a way with a with a blunt force object such as a baseball that it can just jar the heart and shut it down. You were supposed to say that that rarity happened, even though it's more rare than the vaccine side effects. But you were supposed to think it was more rare or, or that something more rare would be more of a, you know, expl- more of an Occam's razor explanation, Right. We weren't even allowed to even see that a doctor actually tweeted out um, a statement about the jab that he administered to DeMar Hamlin. This is from Dr. Benjamin Edelman. I recently administered DeMar Hamlin's COVID booster on December 26th. And as a medical professional, I can assure the public he passed all screenings with flying colors. I am in contact with UCMC staff and will provide any assistance to them. You were supposed to look at that and go, ha, ah, can't be the vaccine. No, we didn't have an up-and-coming uh, 18-year-old MMA fighter out of Hawaii just suddenly die of a heart attack. We didn't have a surfer die of a heart attack. We didn't have a wrestler die of a heart attack. We didn't have a college athlete, college football star up-and-coming going jogging die of a cardiac, a cardiac event. I have to look at the fact that the Buffalo Bills had a stadium policy where you couldn't go see an entire game without vaccination uh, documents. I have to look at the fact that they were pushing rookies to be vaccinated. Now, this guy's a rookie. I have to push all of that truth aside and go, eh, maybe it was commotio cordis, right? That's more believable somehow. Truth is under attack. And the reason why I bring that incident up is because that truth is going to be looked at. And the basis of this week's podcast is we have to take the victories when we get them, and we need to start now, and we need to find creative ways to gain those victories. Two such cases right now in Florida, Surgeon General Delapo, who is looking into the cardiac issues of Pfizer and Moderna. Well, they're about to put all of this into investigations on a state level since the federal level obviously is going to die on their sword of commotio cordis, right? They're going to die on the sword of safe and effective for the vaccines, So we have to take the wins where we can get them. We have to take them in a conservative state like Florida with Ron DeSantis. And really, I want to get into the meat of the matter. We have to take the wins in Congress when we get it, too. You know, after the red wave, we looked back and said, well, we didn't really get that many wins. But, you know, if you listen to this show, I actually said we got some good wins out of it. One of the things that was interesting to me was hearing someone like Daniel Horowitz explain it, that, yeah, we didn't get the biggest majority, but the majority that we did get gave leverage to the Freedom Caucus to where a majority of Republicans in the House must take into account the demands of the Freedom Caucus. They must include them in their consideration for passing bills because they won't have enough votes to make it happen. And look what happened last week. 15 votes on Kevin McCarthy. Batted down 14 times. On the 15th, he gets the win. And we got concessions out of it to change the rules committee. Now, a lot of people are just going, well, Kevin McCarthy's back in, so everything sucks, and we got nothing out of it. No, we got some wins. 
And on the other side of the break, we're going to get in to the details of the wins that we got. The fact that people like Ch- uh, Chip Roy stood up. Byron Jacobs was nominated. Um, we looked at the fact that those like Thomas Massey, who weren't really in the forefront of the mix, are also behind the scenes orchestrating a lot of this stuff. In fact, Thomas Massey <laughs> he actually liked one of the tweets that I put up, um, which kind of dovetails with what he said. He was kind of making the point that there has been no Zoom calls that they've had to do, no proxy voting. He said, proxy voting has ended in the House. It was rarely used for stated purposes, such as dealing with COVID, but it was frequently abused by members to attend fundraisers, campaign, to go on vacation, to avoid traveling for work. I am one of the small minority who never voted by proxy, to which I actually responded and said, the real reason why the GOP establishment, the Democrats, the media are livid over the rules package that was negotiated by the Freedom Caucus, things like voting by proxy, is because those concessions take their power away. Thomas Massey actually liked that tweet, which is pretty cool. But that's the point. These are nonpartisan concessions. The things that we got out of it are wins that we need to start chipping away at and taking. You have to start somewhere. You have to put the line in the sand. Like I tell my son, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? But you got to start biting. You got to pick a spot. You got to go, I'm going to go with the toe or the ear or the, or the snout. You know, I mean, pick a spot. Pick a line in the sand, start building your battle. Our line in the sand against COVID fascism, vaccine injury is in Florida because you're not going to get a federal investigation. You might get it in Congress now, now that some of those rules, which we're going to get into, have been updated, but you are going to get it on the state level with Surgeon General Delapo and Ron DeSantis. But if we want to defeat the McConnell machine, If we want to defeat the tyrannical powers of a speaker like Pelosi, you had to have them pushed up against the wall. You had to neuter Kevin McCarthy 14 times. You had to squeeze concessions out of them that are on paper that are now going to be signed in as House rules. That had to happen. And all of those people out there, Sean Hannity, uh, the news organization named after one of my heroes. I'm not going to say their name. You can probably figure it out. Um, War. Right. Um, All of these pundits and news people and talking heads that we go to because they it's their job to be objective and to dig for information and to to provide that to working people like ourselves who can't spend the time to just go out and research everything and look into the details and and match it up with our ideological values. These people all went right along with saying, well, we need to get with Kevin McCarthy. Vote him in immediately. Look at us. We're looking like clowns. The the talking point was, we look embarrassing. These people are embarrassing. They're running to fundraise off of it. All BS. It wasn't embarrassing. It needed to happen. That's democracy. That's how it works. Contention happens. The Congress is designed to fight and grind to a halt to where the only good things are coming out of it, not pushing laws in that are 15 to 5,000 pages long that no one can sign because they got it two hours ago and they need to have it signed in four hours. All of these things needed to be pushed against the wall and revisited and reassessed. And we did that. And that, and the freedom caucus should get a standing ovation. Chip Roy should get a standing ovation because what we did was we battled back just 
the establishment. That's how they operate. Pass 5,000 page laws that no one reads. You know what I mean? Just put a speaker in power that a majority has to call to the carpet if they vote, if they find no confidence in them. These things have now been reevaluated and they work on both sides of the aisle. It's like the nuclear option. The left can come in, get a speaker of the house. And guess what? If the left doesn't like the speaker, they get that one vote concession now. It's not something that was partisan. It's not like the Democrats do where they balkanize and fortify their power, their control. We fought it down and defeated it. So on the other side of the break, we're going to get into some of the details of what we actually gained from the contentious 15-vote battle that happened in Congress. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. But Congressman, is it better to not have a speaker at all and to not have a functioning house than... Let me ask you a question. Do you think anybody in America right now is like, oh my God, there's not a speaker, right? Because what is it? Somebody who lives right now in like Des Moines, Iowa, and they're, they're going to their job, they're going to school. Oh no, 24 hours without a speaker in the house. Like we're a body, we can go past motions, we can do whatever. If there's an emergency, we can do whatever we need to. But we're having a debate. It's healthy to have that debate. The institution needs to change, and that's why we're having the debate. So you don't think Americans care that there's not a Speaker of the House right now? I think Americans want us to change the way everything works or doesn't work. And I think they're patient enough to uh, wait out a day or two for us to do what needs to be done to make things actually function. Chip Roy, I love that answer. Because that's the thing is everybody's like, oh my gosh, we can't have a Speaker um, in limbo. If we don't have a speaker now, we can't do anything. I don't want Congress to do anything. I want them to be as neutered as possible. And really, when they do things, all they do is hamper and hinder us, and they kneecap us. So yeah, none of us are sitting around going, man, we don't have a speaker. Somebody said, you know, when they looked at it and said, okay, they're going to look back at us and say we're clowns, and that might affect somebody's vote. And they said, no one really even remembers Afghanistan, the debacle where we had people die and we pulled our troops out without a good exit strategy. And yet Democrats all won re-election, didn't they? <laughs> so here's Jake Tapper on, uh, well, here's Chip Roy on with Jake Tapper from CNN explaining everything that he's trying to do and that the Freedom Caucus was trying to do. Yeah, sure. Well, putting aside personalities, let's just take that out of it and just saying what would get me to yes is I need to make sure that the Rules Committee is structured in such a way that those of us who are what I would call fiscal conservatives who want to stop the sort of train of the swamp, right, the power brokers, the defense industrial complex, if you will, plus the non-defense discretionary, uh, you know, uh, folks on the other side of the aisle who want to spend more money, they all come together, as you know, you follow this town closely. We just saw it happen with the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Without debating the merits of any particular substance in the bill, we can't keep doing that. It was a 10% increase in defense, a 6% increase in non-defense discretionary, $45 billion for Ukraine, $41 billion for emergency spending. None of that extra spending was paid for. So when are we going to stop that? So we can't stop that if we don't have the tools in the Rules Committee to stop it. I'd love to have open debate. I'd love to have more amendments. With the 72-hour rule you were just talking about, that's all good stuff. But i got to take issue with one thing that Jamie talked about just a minute ago. I wish she was still on because I don't want to talk about her in the third person. But she said that we were asking for things for personal handouts, spots on committees. Well, she wasn't that talking about you. She wasn't. We, we were very clear 
to distinguish you from others. We, we talked about how your opposition was based in principle having to do with rules. We we're, were talking more about uh, uh, the meeting between uh, McCarthy and Gates, Boebert, well, and, and, and but Perry. If, but if I might offer a defense of them, what was offered, or at least meant to be offered, was a, re a response to the request from Kevin, hey, we need actual names to know what you want on certain committees. So for example, we put my name on the Rules Committee. Jake, I don't want to be on the Rules Committee if I don't have to be, because you got to fly up on Sunday, and I want to be with my family on Sunday night in Texas. But I offered to do it in order to try to advance the ball. Andy Biggs didn't want to be on appropriations, but we put his name on the list. My point is, that was offered in good faith. It's, it's unfair for Jamie to say that and then to say, oh, they want their goodies. These other guys have worked so hard. Jake, how do you think people get committees in this town? How about NRCC contributions? How about how they play in terms of fundraising? Everybody says, oh, we can't talk about how fundraising is connected to power. But you know and I know how this town works, and it is. We're trying to break the back of that. Again, this is the fight we needed. This is the fight that had to happen. And those who were wanting us to just go along to get along because of optics, optics never worked in our favor anyways. We have the best optics in the world. They'll just make up fake detrimental optics. They'll just make up BS and try to pin it on us. So, I mean, what do you want us to do? Just avoid the fight because of the fact that it may not look good, may look bad, may not look unifying. Or do you stand and have the fight and get the things you want and make the wins happen. We're sitting here today with Chip Roy and all of them going in to vote on the uh, church committee uh, where this committee is going to be set up to look into things like the weaponization of the FBI. The fact that the FBI and the DOJ was colluding with social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook, demanding what content can be allowed, what accounts should be suspended, what speech should be suppressed. All of this stuff, especially when it came to coronavirus, like we were talking about with Damar Ham Hamill, um, or Hamlin, you know, any of that documentation, the studies that were to show that there was a rise in myocarditis, those studies were looked at as fake news and they were pulled offline because they weren't commercials of the CDC with some little kid going, all I want for Christmas is my new vaccine and the side of myocarditis. None of that uh, is was being looked into. But now... We've got things that have changed in our direction to where we can have committees look into it. And it won't just be Trey Gowdy talking point vi viral video committees where he's like, you, sir, blah, blah, blah. And we get this clip and everybody's like, yeah, Trey, you go get him. And nothing. We get nothing out of it. There's going to be some accountability. So let's go through the uh, rules for the 108th Congress. I actually have the entire document right here as we speak. So uh, one of the first things is changes to the standing rules, initiatives to reduce spending and to approve accountability. That always sounds nice. And that actually is pretty good. Subsection 1A replaces the, quote, pay-as-you-go requirements with cut-as-you-go requirements. The provision prohibits consideration of a bill, joint resolution, or conference report, or an amendment that has the net effect of increasing mandatory spending within a five-year or 10-year budget window. This provision continues the current practice of counting multiple measures considered, considered pursuant to a special order of business, which directs the clerk to engross the measures together after passage of purposes of compliance 
with the rule and provides a mechanism for addressing emergency designations. So in a nutshell, the debt ceiling hike, it has to be paired with spending cuts. That's what we want, right? Haven't we been saying we've wanted these kind of cuts? So, I mean, I, I don't see why that was a problem, right, Sean Hannity? Why, why, should we have, why should we have sat back and just ignored that as a provision and a concession just so we can say, oh, we got behind Kevin McCarthy all, oh, but he's establishment. Now we just can't get stuff done. Man, we just need to vote these people out. We just need to get better candidates in the primary, right? We need to go ahead and, and dunk on Kev, uh, Kathy Burnett so we get Dr. Oz because Dr. Oz is electable only so that he can go up and get beaten by a walking vegetable, a man who is a walking Verza report who can't even make a coherent sentence. Uh, what about electability there, Mr. Hannity? You know, Hannity was dunking all over Lauren Boebert, but they look at what they're getting. Let's go on with another one. Subsection A2 strikes the Richard Gephardt rule that provides for the automatic engrossment and transmittal of the Senate of a joint resolution changing the public debt limit upon the adoption or the adoption by the House of a concurrent resolution on the budget and the budget resolution thereby avoiding a separate vote in the House on the public debt limit legislation. Here's another thing they got. Increased threshold for tax rate increases. Subsection B restores a requirement for a three-fifths supermajority vote on tax rate increases. We also have two-minute votes. Subsection C provides that the speaker can reduce the vote times in the House, but not less than two minutes on any question that follows another electronic vote. The subsection also states that to the maximum extent practicable, advance notice will be given when reduced voting times are expected in a voting series. They also were able to get a 72-hour notice requirement on consideration of legislation. The 72-hour rule. At least give us 72 hours to read the damn bill. Not only that, because of the Calendar Wednesday uh, provision, modifications to Calendar Wednesday in subsection D modifies the notice requirement to use Calendar Wednesday to conform with the 72-hour notice. So they can't even circumvent it that way. Committee Authorization and Oversight Plans, subsection E, restores the requirement that each standing committee, except the committees on appropriations, ethics, and rules, vote to adopt an authorization and oversight plan, which must be submitted to the committees on oversight and accountability and House administration no later than March 1st of the first session of Congress. The plan must include a list of unauthorized programs and agencies within the committee's jurisdiction that have received funding in the prior fiscal year or, in the case of a permanent authorization, have not received a comprehensive review by the committee in the prior three Congresses. The subsection requires committees to describe each program or agency that is intended to be authorized in the current Congress or next Congress, and a description of oversight to support reauthorization in the current Congress. The subsection also requires the plan to include any recommendations for moving such programs or agencies from mandatory to discretionary funding. When developing these plans, committee chairs must coordinate with other committees 
of jurisdiction to ensure that programs and agencies are subject to routine authorization efforts. One of the cool things that we just learned, too, is that Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell are no longer on the committee for uh, uh, national security. And the other thing that we learned about was that Mike Rogers, remember the guy with the toupee who was looking to lean in and take a, take a shot at either Lauren Boebert or Matt Gates when, you know, he stepped up. I'm a mean old guy. Well, he was putting it in everyone's face. Well, you know, these people that went against us, they're not going to get committee seats. Well, he was on the committee that designated who gets committee seats. He has been removed from the committee that allows the designation of committee seats to those like Matt Cates and Lauren Bovert. We're getting the wins, gang. That's the point. I mean, we got McCarthy can't use his leadership pack to operate in safe, open primaries like he's done in the past. So we can't have a Kathy Burnett get kneecapped or a uh, uh, Doug Mastriano or who is the other gentleman? Blake Masters to get kneecapped by a McCarthy pack coming in. Uh, more Freedom Caucus members on committees, including the House Rules, to which Chip, Chip Roy said that he would like to be on out of good faith, but he doesn't want to be on because he'd like to spend time with his kids. Everyone made a joke about Paul Ryan saying, I don't want to work on the weekends when I'm Speaker of the House. I used to joke about how Fridays he'd come rolling in, everybody's working for the weekend. And you got, you know, Chris Farley out there in, uh, in his little, his little uh, Speedos dancing with Patrick Swayze. So let's get back to the document here. Ethics reform subsection G directs the committee on ethics to adopt rules, which provide for a process to receive complaints directly from the public. I don't see anything wrong with that. Expaneling investigative subcommittee of the committee on ethics. Subsection H codifies house resolution 451 of the 110th Congress directing that the Committee on Ethics to impanel an investigative subcommittee or issue a report within 30 days of the date a member, delegate, or the resident commissioner is indicted or criminal charges are filed. You've got cybersecurity. Subsection M modifies the jurisdiction of the Committee on Homeland Security to include functions of the Department of Homeland Security related to cybersecurity. Committees currently holding jurisdiction over cybersecurity functions of the DHS will retain a shared jurisdictional interest in such functions. Record votes on measures reporting by the Committee on Rules. Subsection O requires reports from the Committee on Rules to include a depiction of recorded votes. Access to the Hall of the House. Subsection P strikes language providing governors of territories and the mayor of the District of Columbia access to the Hall of the House. The Holloman Rule, subsection A, reinstates the Holloman Rule, which allows amendments to appropriations legislations that would reduce the salary of or fire specific federal employees or cut a specific program. Hell yes to that. We also have a cap of discretionary spending at fiscal 2022 levels which would amount to lower levels for defense and domestic programs, create investigative committees to probe the weaponization of the federal government. That's actually happening as we speak. More wins. I mean, 
you had to have this fight. And the fact that people were complaining about, oh, it looks bad. It looks bad. Uh, what looks bad is green lighting somebody right out the gate and not giving a crap about what he's going to do and then complaining about his establishment squish that doesn't work for your interest on the back end. That looks bad. And guess what? You can't do anything about that at that point. I mean, you, just the fact that so many people were just blasting these people for what they were looking for. I mean, look at what else they got. I mean, anyone can call for a vote to oust the speaker. You had to have a majority under it, Nancy Pelosi. So she was there, speaker forever. Now anyone can have a vote. I mean, hold votes on key conservative bills, including a balanced budget amendment, congressional term limits, border security. Give members the ability to offer more amendments on the House floor. Uh, I don't know what was the problem with this and why people were bellyaching about it. I'm going to put a link on Twitter of the actual document. It's 12 pages. But this, these are the wins. You have to start somewhere. And sometimes it doesn't look pretty. Sometimes it looks ugly. Sometimes the sausage making is not a pretty sight. But the sausage has to be made or you're going to be given Vegemite and whatever, you know, turkey bacon or whatever sausage that uh, Klaus Schwab wants you to eat that's made of cockroaches and, and uh, mealworms. So we have to fight against these people. And if we're going to have somebody like Kevin McCarthy in, we need to have racked him in the balls so many times that he says uncle multiple times and he is going to do what we want him to do like a whipped puppy. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Give me some feedback. If you'd like the show to continue, I'm, you know, I'm kind of not really pushing it as hard as I have in the past. I used to do them once a week. We'll see. Um, I'm getting into a busy week, busy season at work, so it's going to be few and far between, but if I can make it happen, I will on Twitter at Adrian Slade show, um, email me at Adrian Slade at protonmail.com, or you can send it at Adrian Slade show at gmail.com. Check out the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, and you can also find me on Getter, also on Gab, Truth Social, Adrian Slade, or Rants Out Loud. Look for either one of those. God bless. We'll see you guys next time.